We're going to use number 487 as our opening number this morning. 487. Ask congregation to stand, please. <coughs> I love the quietness of the morning, the peaceful beauty of the day. I love to go there to my bower, and humbly bow my head and pray. Oh, may his see each of you this morning. Um, just have a few thoughts on my mind this morning I'll try to share with you. I hope these things will come across in a way that makes sense and that that they're encouraging to you as I as I ask an interest in your prayer. Just ask that the things that we bring forth might be encouraging. So much of the world I think I think so much of the world's religion is threatening. I think it's threatening. Um, Much of the world spends their time 
in scare tactics for just a lack of a better word. I just don't know another way to put it. Um, now I've talked to Brother Houston many times about, you know, his testimony and his, you know, where he came from. And he was like me, he came from a different order, at least the start of it. And um, there was a lot of what seemed like threatening in that. I want to just mention a couple things here from uh, the parable of the sower. Now, I'm not going to go through that whole thing because it's, it's a long parable, but I do want to touch on a few things. Actually, let me just read the parable itself and then touch on a couple little things that are mentioned afterwards about it. This is from Matthew chapter 13, and this is uh, what we call the parable of the sower. And this is the Lord speaking, and he said, Behold, the sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up, and they choked them. But others... Other fell into good ground, and it brought forth fruit, some an hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. Listen to what he says now. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. Now, I think of the vast majority of the world, their interpretation of that particular parable is not anywhere close to uh, what... I think the vast majority, of, or the way that the vast majority of primitive Baptists interpret that, um, because what the world sees in that is a pat on the back to that last group, because they're going to heaven. Now, everybody else, regardless of their circumstances or situation, they're just lost. Now that, my friends, is the general the generally accepted interpretation of that parable um, in the world, I, I would say, in the religions of the world. Let me give you my interpretation of that parable. Now just listen to, a, I want you to listen to a few key things. Now this is the, here, this is the thing that I, this is where I believe much of the world goes wrong. <laughs> because they'll take a passage and they like to say, they like to tell you a lot of things that aren't there. They like to expound on things that aren't there. And they like to overlook very important things that are there. Now, there's a, a lot of text between where that ends and where I want to pick up. I want to pick up in the uh, 18th verse. Because the Lord begins to expound on the actual meaning of the parable. He begins to tell us about it. He said, um, Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. Hear you therefore. Verse 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. Now listen to what he said. When anyone 
heareth the word and understandeth not. You remember what he said to those uh, Jews? I think I used the passage last week. Those Jews that were standing around him and uh, they were arguing with him, you know, that, that they were the children of Abraham. And he said, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Not won't, not refuse to, but cannot, cannot hear my word. But notice what these in the parable. Now again, it's a parable. A parable is a thing that, that just uses a natural example uh, to teach a spiritual lesson. That's kind of the, basically what a parable is. But it's about things, it's a simplified lesson. It's about things people know and they understand. This seed, when it was thrown out, and he's comparing those, he says that uh, um, the wayside, the seed that, that, were, that were in the wayside, it just landed there. The ground wasn't good that it landed on. And so the birds came and devoured it because it was just right there on the surface. Well, he said that when anyone heareth the word, not refuses to hear it, not cannot hear it, but hears it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, well, then comes the wicked one and catcheth it away, catcheth away that which was sown, not on, not around, in his heart. Interesting. This is he which received the word by the wayside, or the seed by the wayside. Verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, received. Notice how he describes this group. He doesn't say heard, but he gives us another word, a key word that is an important word, one that we understand what it means, received. Uh, you can read a passage, I think it's in the very first part of John, the first chapter of John, the first Part of that where he talks about he came into his own and his own received him not, but them who received him gave he there's a that text there it's very similar to this the wording, but that word received is is very important. He says, uh, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy immediately with joy he receives it, yet he has not root in himself but dearth for a little while, or for a while. And when tribulation or persecution ariseth, um, because of the word, uh, by and by he's offended. He also, and he gives another comparison to the next group there. Uh, so that's the stony places and then the, the, the thorny places. He says, verse 22, he also that received the seed among the thorns. And notice again, received, received. He also that received the seed among thorns is he that heareth the word and cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Sister Helen and I were having that conversation this morning when we were headed to church. She said, you know, there's not many people out there that you would find that when you ask them, if you could have anything you wanted, what would it be? She said, I don't think there's many people that would say God. I agree with her. Because the cares of the world, they really press upon us. They really do. But here's the key to this verse, these little section of verses. Received. 
Remember what the Apostle Paul said about the natural man? Yeah, you receive it not. First uh, Corinthians, uh, what is it, 2 and 14, he says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, these people received the seed, which means they already had the Spirit of God in them. Now the last group here, he says, But he that received the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. I think the, 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 the teaching here is that, and I would say every ground type, every one of these are God's children. The scripture never addresses the unelect in this way. The scripture never puts forth the, the word of God, the, the message about the word in that sense to, to the non-elect. They're not interested in that. They don't want that. They can't hear it. They can't receive it. But to God's children, it's sent forth. And oftentimes we fall into different troubles. Sometimes it's just on the surface and we, we hear it and then it just it goes away immediately. We forget it. We're like the man who looks at his uh, reflection and then immediately he's gone and he forgets what he looks like. Sometimes we, we get these things and, and we don't have much root. <laughs> or the cares of the world begin to choke us out. Sometimes God's children receive the instructions and they go out into the world and they're obedient and they bring forth fruit unto God. The, here's the encouraging thing that I, I want to share out of that. It is, and it's not to encourage you to be, to have, uh, you know, no depth, no root, <laughs> to get the, let the cares of the world choke you out. That's not the encouragement. That's, that's not the message. But the message is to be encouraged even when you fail. Um, Paul says in Romans, yeah, Paul says in Romans chapter eight, one of my favorite verses. I've got a lot of favorite verses. <laughs> one of these is found here in Romans, Romans eight and fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Notice the scripture does not say for as many as follow the Spirit of God. Because brethren, that puts the work right back on us. It puts the requirement right back on us. We, we are... And when we fail, you know what that makes us feel like? Like we're not children of God. But he says, for as many as are... And again, notice, the world likes to put things into verses and read things into verses. But I just want to read the text and just help you understand what's, what's there. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. What does he say? They are the sons of God. You don't have to follow just to be. A, but if you feel led, if you've ever felt led, even when you don't follow, 
Well, you can take comfort in that. And that's not just for us, but that's for, you know, for those that we love and those that we know and those that ought to be with us but aren't. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. I hope uh, you can be encouraged by that, knowing that the Lord takes care of his own. Uh, Paul talks about a group of folks over there that had lost their hope um, over in, I believe it's 2 Timothy. He talks about these two that led them astray. Uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they had led a group astray. They had taught that the resurrection had passed, and it ended up overthrowing the faith of some because they weren't grounded very well. They didn't have much root. It had been choked, the, the word had been choked out, whatever, I don't know. But they had lost their hope. But Paul follows up <clears throat> with a statement. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And then he follows that up <laughs> with this command. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now that's, that's where we get down there to the good ground. <laughs> We ought to be striving to be good ground hearers, not just stony ground or thorny ground or just on the surface, but good ground hearers. We ought to strive for that. If you feel led by the Spirit, be be assured you're a son and a daughter of God. Let's uh, go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Elder Houston Patrick, would you lead us in a word of prayer this morning, please? Precious Heavenly Father, our Redeemer, and the one in whom we trust from day to day, we thank you so much for our nation that allows us still for a while at least to meet in thy name. We pray for your continued grace upon us. And we thank you especially for the opportunity to meet here with your children and to hear the word of God that gives us the grace to follow from day to day. We thank you for the singing, for everyone that's here. We thank you now for the opportunity to hear the gospel. Please bless Brother Eddie with power and unction. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Eddie. Certainly good to be here this morning, and again, want to welcome each one that's here, and trust the Lord to bless our thoughts this morning to our benefit and to the, most of all, to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. <clears throat> Brother David has opened this, the service with, uh, and just hit all around some of the thoughts that I've had uh, on my mind, uh, so pray the Lord uh, will bless uh, our efforts this morning, and uh, Jesus said something to some Jews uh, that always rings uh, true to my heart, That and this is my prayer, and he, he says to, to those, and, and it's in, found in the 8th chapter of John, he said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, and that's the key, is that if you believe on Jesus, then uh, there's a lot in this book for you. 
And if you don't believe in Jesus and you don't believe that this is the God's word, then it won't be much benefit to you what I'll have to say today. But Jesus said to these that believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my, dis- my disciples indeed. <clears throat> and, uh, and then he says, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If I have thoughts this morning, I'd like to speak this morning on the uh, thoughts on the liberty which we have in Christ as children of God and how that we are set free from the burdens of, uh, of the things that men would lay upon you. And, uh, you know, as David mentioned, that a lot of people worship out of fear and in my understanding of what I've read, that the correct way to worship is out of love. <laughs> and there is, you know, perfect love casteth out fear. There is no fear in, in love. And so Jesus, in his teaching, taught certainly uh, in that uh, spirit of love. And some would say after he had spoken, uh, they were amazed. And they would say, what gracious words flowed from his lips. And wouldn't you love to have been there and heard the Lord in person preaching the glorious gospel? And he came to preach and to save them that were lost. Now, Primitive Baptist, uh, one of our favorite texts quoted very often, be found in Ephesians, says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We really emphasize the fact that salvation is by grace and not of works. But the works under consideration there is for eternal salvation. But all through the scriptures we find that there are works for the disciple of Christ. There are things for us to do in the kingdom. Uh, He tells us, uh, and I'll try to base some of my thoughts this morning in Hebrews uh, in the uh, fourth chapter of Hebrews and one of the verses there says let us labor therefore to enter into the rest that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief now when Paul would write uh, uh Many, uh, and I talk about this quite a bit in my efforts to preach, is that that Old Testament back there was written for a purpose and a reason and preserved and given to us that we might see the example of the children of Israel and their travels and how God dealt with them in an outward way. And, you know, he, uh, he promised them many things that if they would be willing and obedient, they'd eat the good of the land. Now, Paul mentions that and brings that up so many times in the New Testament Scriptures. Tells me there's something for us to do. There is a labor for us as to enter into the rest that's promised. And Paul, in this uh, third chapter of Hebrews, as he opens uh, Hebrew letter, and by the way, Hebrews is such an encouraging book for us to read. It, it tells about how much better we have it today than they had it under the first dispensation or covenant under the Old Testament time. Now, God had children 
all back, you know, all the way through. God has had his uh, children and he is, uh, they're all saved. Let me say this. They're all saved the exact same way. From Adam to the last man, any man that lives in heaven will be saved because Christ died for them on the cross. That's the gospel. Brother David's been doing some wonderful preaching about the gospel and what it does and what it is. It's the message that Jesus died for his people and saved them from their sins. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. And primitive Baptists, you know, we don't believe that the gospel message, hearing the gospel, don't make you a child of God. Even obeying the gospel don't make you a child of God. What makes you a child of God is that Jesus died for your sins and saved you from them. He took your place, that lawful place, and justified you in the sight of God the Father. And, and, and so we, uh, we stand in the presence or in the sight of God justified because of the shed blood of Christ. <clears throat> so we are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But that don't save, there's not works for us to do. That stony ground here, I, Brother David, I agree 100%. We, I've been there. When I began to, to really understand grace, I could read things like those parables. And you know, and Jesus said in another one of the Gospels, those uh, synoptic Gospels, has the parable. He said when one of them, basically, I can't quote it, but he said about this parable, if you don't understand this one, if you don't get the parable of the sower right, you won't get the rest of them right. <laughs> you got to understand that this is not talking about uh, how to become a child of God. It's talking about discipleship. How to live as a disciple of the Lord and what are we to do uh, in this present life and world we've had. And when Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I'll ask you today, uh, where did you get the ears to hear? Now, we got our natural ears to hear our natural voices in natural birth. That's just part, you know, if we're normal and we have the ears to hear, we'll hear the voices of those around us and the beautiful things of nature and creation and the birds are singing, all the things we hear, that's with the natural ear. But to hear the things that Jesus sets forth in the parables, to hear those things that we hear in the heart, we have to have spiritual ears. And Jesus, when he said, he that hath ears to hear was talking about the new man, the new creature, that the one that has been born to the Spirit and given ears to hear. We have ears to hear uh, in uh, the spiritual things, those things that come with a still, small voice that's not audible to the world, but we hear it with that, uh, that new creature, that man that's been born to the Spirit. Isn't it amazing that Jesus uses the terms about uh, being born again or being saved? And they're so simple that most people overlook it. But he says that that we must be born again, born from above. He compares our uh, regeneration to a birth. And the question we might ask is, uh, if we have ears to hear, where did we get those ears to hear? 
if we were born naturally, that come in a process of uh, of nature that come. But to be born spiritually, we're born to the spirit. And so we would ask, did we have anything to do with our natural birth? Did we choose who our parents would be, uh, where we would be uh, live? Did we choose what uh, time frame in the world that we would be born into this world naturally? No, neither can we choose spiritually. It's the spirit that gives life. It's Christ that gives life. Uh, he is the, the beginning. He is the word of life. And, and, and he gives light. He lights every man in this world. And so he is, it's all about Jesus. And we're born to the Spirit. And so, uh, if we are disciples indeed, <clears throat> indeed, <laughs> uh, we use that term indeed, but it's in actually in the deeds we do. We, we are disciples. We prove that we're disciples by our deeds, right? If we're disciples indeed, then we are free. We'll know the truth, and the truth will make us free. <clears throat> you know, uh, he says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So there is there are uh, <clears throat> rewards for discipleship. There is a wonderful uh, uh, <clears throat> rewards uh Good feelings, good, uh, you know, to be a, a disciple of Christ is to be, is to have that uh, uh, freedom or that liberty that we enjoy so much. I, there's another scripture I think of often is found in uh, Galatians 5, and I've preached on this several times in the past. But this chapter in Galatians begins this way, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. <clears throat> if uh, if you if you begin to try to live under the law teaching or the first you know the uh, commandments given under that first covenant, and there's they you know I'm glad I was born in this dispensation and have uh, knowledge of the grace of God and the liberty that we have, we can lay down on our pillows at night and go to sleep knowing that whether we have, you know, uh, I'll share this with you as a child. I was brought up with this idea that if you don't get your sins forgiven, you die, you're liable to go to that old bad place, you know. You've got to ask forgiveness for your sins. Put you under a strain, brother David, uh, and 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 you go to sleep wondering, did I get it all? Did, Lord, did I did I think of everything I did wrong? Aren't you glad it's not that way? That God knows your heart, and if you, you you've been uh, if you're sorry for your sins that you've committed, understand they're already paid for by the death of Christ on the cross. And you being sorry for those sins is just an indication that you are a child of God. Brother Clyde used to tell me, Brother Jimmy, I'd, we'd talk about this. He'd, I'd say, how do you know? You know, how you know? A lot of people say, I know I'm a child of God. And I've always wondered. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've always wondered about it. 
And Brother Clyde would say, I'm going to tell you the best evidence you'll have if you know you're a sinner. If you know you're a sinner, then you know you're a child of God. Because a man that is not a child of God, don't, don't he don't understand about himself being. He has no consciousness of sin. And so when we understand that we are sinners and we have remorse and guilt and and the burden of that, then that's an indication, that's an evidence in your life that you really are a child of God and that God, Christ died for your sins and put them away. And I'm thankful it's that way. So he says, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back under the law. These Galatian brethren had been delivered from the uh, all of the formalities and the, the worship under that first covenant, and some of them was wanting to go back under it. Like Brother David mentioned, Hymenaeus and Philetus said, resurrection's passed already, you know. Here, you know, there's all kinds of false religions and false teachings uh, been going on in the world. And <clears throat> these brethren had fell under that. And Paul just was simply saying to them, be not entangled again with the false religion and false teachings. And I'll say to us today, don't get tangled up. <laughs> just remember Jesus died for your sins and put them away as far as east is from the west, never to be seen again. Your home is in heaven. But while that's true, and it's wonderfully true to know that, there are things for us to do here in this present world in which we live. He says, uh, in Corinthian letter, uh, Paul talks some about that old covenant and, and how that it's done away with. And in this uh, third chapter of Second Corinthians, he says, if the ministration of condemnation be glory, you know there was glory in that, in that first covenant. We sometimes talk about it in a way that makes it seem uh, bad, but it was good. It was God's word to Israel, and it was uh, God had took uh, this little group called the Israelites. And that's what all this Old Testament back here is about, how God dealt with them. We draw comfort from knowing that, how that God was faithful, fulfilled every promise he ever made to them and will to us. But he says, if if that uh, ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious, and it was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. As glorious as it was, it was to come to an end. When did that come to an end? Well, when Christ came into this world, fulfilled every detail of the law and, and all that was ever uh, set forth, the figures and types was fulfilled in Christ, and that first covenant was as glorious as it was, was done away with. And Paul puts it this way. He says it was like the moon compared to the sun. And you know what the moon does? It just reflects the light of the sun. And so in the gospel kingdom, we have the glorious liberty of the Son of Christ, the, the, the true light, and all of that was a reflection showing forth the times of Christ that he should come. Now, he talks in this much about the Spirit and how it is, and I, I stress this as often as I can to us, that our believers and our disciples and our 
trying to serve the Lord the best we can, that uh, there there is a, uh, a glory glory in that, and says we uh, <clears throat> that which that which was done away was glorious. Much more that which remaineth is glorious. What I try to remind us is is the kingdom we're in today is a spiritual kingdom, and it's. It's in here, you know, the Spirit is within us. The kingdom of heaven is within us. That's the Spirit of Christ in us. And we worship in spirit and in truth, and the truth sets us free. Now he says, uh, but he, in, in speaking to them about this, he says, we use great plainness of speech, telling us not to be entangled with that again, and that uh, that that which the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? That's over. Don't don't fall under that burden of trying to keep all of the commandments and the laws that were set forth for Israel and think that that will give you a better uh, way into heaven. It just don't work that way. He says, but even unto this day when Moses is of red, the veil is upon their hearts. So many of God's little children in the world today still have that veil of law, worship, and service on their in their heart, trying to serve the Lord in a way that's, that's, uh, that we cannot ever obtain to the righteousness uh, of the Lord that way. Now, nevertheless, here's the good news. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <clears throat> and that's my prayer and what I try to preach is that I would set God's children free. <laughs> that through the preaching of the gospel and the hearing of God's word, that we are set free from the burden of the law, and in that Jesus is glorified. That's that's the key, is that we cannot give glory to Christ uh, with law worship <laughs> or our own righteousness. We give Christ all the credit and He is then uh, the object and, and the end of our worship. Now, in back to the Hebrew letter, I wanted to um, just touch on this a little bit. And here uh, in this, Paul, or whoever wrote Ephesians, I can, or uh, Hebrews, I kind of think it was Paul. It don't tell us that. But whoever wrote it, it's the inspired word of God. That's the main thing that we need to understand. And in this, he encourages us by teaching us that Christ, our great high priest, is and is much better than the first covenant and the worship they had there. That was glorious. But what we have today just does away with that glory because it's so much more glorious. And he says in this third chapter, as he talked about those children of Israel, 
And if you go back over in Numbers, around chapter 14, 15, 13, right in there in Numbers, remember this, they, uh, they had come out of bondage, which is a picture of the bondage or of this world. Children of Israel had been down in Egypt in bondage. They now were being delivered out of that. They had come to the land of Canaan. <clears throat> oh, when you read about the land of Canaan, think about the church and the kingdom today. See, there's a picture. There's a foreshadowing. That's teaching. So Jesus, uh, God said, if you'll go to Canaan's land that I've promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you go to that promised land, and I'll be your God, you'll have the best. You'll have a land that flows with milk and honey. You'll be obedient and willing, and I will bless you in all aspects of your journeys there in this land. And all I want to tell you, that same promise is to the church today. If we'll come to this Canaan land, and this is Canaan's land in picture of it, the church of Christ, and we come and be willing and obedient, We'll eat the good of the land. We'll have the gospel preached. We'll have the blessings of, of, uh, uh, of all the things that God has prepared for us. But he says, uh, talk, Paul brings this up to show us what disobedience will do for us. He says, these children of Israel, you go back and read it in Numbers, he sent spies over there to spy out the land. Uh, one for a spy for each tribe. Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report. <clears throat> All the rest of the spies, the other ten, came back with an evil report. Oh, they said, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, yes, it's got everything anyone could ever desire. <laughs> it, it'll, it's there for us. But we can't take it because there's giants in that land. We, they had an evil report. They said, we, we cannot go over there and take that land. I won't tell you the world today, I'll tell you, you can't be a church member. You can't live in this land. You need to stay, go back into Egypt where you come out of. And that's what they said. We'll just go back. We can't take it. <clears throat> you know what? <clears throat> it's not of works, but it is this. He says, God says, you go and possess the land. It's your land, but you've got to go possess it. You've got to go take it. And I want to tell you, children of God, the church is not an automatic thing. You've got to come to it. You've got to get ready. You've got to prepare for it. You've got to be here. If you're going to enjoy and eat the, the milk and the honey, you've got to be here. You know, uh, it don't make you a child of God. But all I tell you, it does good. It'll make you, it does you good. And so uh, as they... Uh, Caleb and Joshua said their report was, God said that's our land, we can take it, let's go take it. And the others said, no, we can't take that land, it's full of giants. You know what God did? Just make this a shorter version. Caleb and Joshua was the only two of that generation that got to go see the land. God preserved them because of their faithfulness and their word and their encouragement they got to go to Canaan's land and enjoy the Canaan's land and, and possess the land that God had given them. Now, he asked this in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 3. He says, so. Uh, now, 
Now, God called it a land of rest. And read all this in here. And, and the rest that's under consideration here is not a natural rest, but a spiritual rest. But he compares it to there. And he says, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. God said, okay, if you're not willing to go possess it, then you won't enter into it. And he, for, for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness until that generation was gone. And then God delivered them, uh, the rest of uh, the young ones, with, Jason, with Joshua and Caleb. And they got to go. And so he says, take heed, brethren. Now, this is to us today. Here, There was the example. Here's the message to us. Chapter 3, verse 12 of Hebrews. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you and me an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, not just on Sunday morning, exhort one another daily While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. <clears throat> you know, those stony ground hearers, those, all those Brother David talked about, you know who got to enjoy the rest? Those that brought forth fruit. Those that were faithful. Those that didn't say, uh, you know, didn't, wasn't discouraged, wasn't caught up in the thorn thickets of this world. But he says, for we are made partakers of Christ, and here's the if. You know, old Baptists talk a lot about temporal salvation and eternal salvation. The key word in determining in your scriptures, whether it's talking about a deliverance here in time or whether it's talking about eternal, if, if there is the little word if in there, you can just about count on it's talking about right now. So here's what he said. Today, if you will hear his voice, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, as in that day that Israel did. Don't do like they did. The example, you read it, you'll see it was not good. They died in the wilderness. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt. They didn't all fall in the wilderness. God delivered who he, who he said he would. He delivered them. And, and he says, well, who was it he was grieved with for 40 years? Who was God grieved with in that example set there? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. <clears throat> so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you there's real important that we do and believe and act upon the things set forth. Won't give you eternal life. You won't miss heaven if you don't. But I want to tell you there's a lot you'll miss. You'll miss the joy and comfort of knowing that you're a child of God. 
You'll miss the fellowship of the brethren. You'll miss that being able to lie down at night upon your bed and go to sleep with peace of mind knowing if I don't awake in the morning, it'll just be better on the other side. And you know, you don't have to have the fear of not knowing because the scripture, and this is God's word to us, it, it lays it out. Now he says, let us therefore fear. He said that happened to them. Now this word is to us. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now this is not an eternal rest. This is not talking about the grave. This rest is right here while we live. There is a rest for the people of God. And that rest is in knowing the truth, because the truth will set you free. And so he says, for unto us was the gospel preached. So in the gospel, in the message that Christ died for our sins and and uh, saved us, justified us in the sight of God, it was preached unto us uh, as well as unto them. How was the gospel preached unto them? They didn't have evangelists. They didn't have uh, the man with the tie on standing in a the pulpit. They didn't have service like we have today, what we call preaching. So how was the gospel preached to them? Well, it was preached to them through, uh, I think, through the promises of God, the the promises that, that uh, Moses was given, the promises and and the examples that God uh, gave to them. It was preached to them as well as to us. There was a promise made to them, and so he says that the word preached did not profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Why didn't they? receive the benefits of the promises of God there because he said not being mixed with faith in them that heard it faith is the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen faith is a product of being regenerated born again but the exercise of that faith that that outward showing of that is the difference in it so you're all little children of God has that seed of faith and regeneration the ability to hear and believe and and uh, and do those things uh, when you're born to the Spirit, but the exercise of that. So that's why they didn't get to go in and get, didn't have that rest. For he says, we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Do you know God knew the end from the beginning? You know, election's not a hard doctrine. A lot of people think it's a hard doctrine. Uh, a lot of people says, well, predestination, you shouldn't talk about that because, you know, that's, uh, that's too hard. <laughs> you know, the simplicity of the gospel is where we stumble and fall. God is all powerful. God is God. God is the creator. And God does what He wants to do, and God gets what He desires. God is not hindered in any way. I'm going to tell you, your disobedience won't change the fact that Christ died for your sins and put them away. You know what your disobedience will get you? The wages of sin is death. You can die from being disobedient. We all die because of sin. And, you know... uh, 
we're not all going to live forever. We know that death's coming. That proves we're all sinners, don't it? Why do little babies die? People say, well, they hadn't sinned. Well, they die. And sin is death as a result of sin. They were born in sin. When Adam transgressed God's law, all of mankind were sinners. And, you know, people talks about God looking down and saw the goodness in man, and those are the ones he elected. That's not true. Because when God looked down, the, uh, the psalmist says, God looked down and saw there was none righteous. No, not one. <laughs> not even the little babies. <laughs> not one was righteous. So how is it then that any ever goes to heaven by the mercy and grace of God? <laughs> and God gets what he wants. All that will ever live in heaven won't live there because they were good little boys and girls. <laughs> they won't get there because they died in infancy. They get there because Christ died for their sins on Calvary's cross and put them away as far as the east is from the west. All the world teaches and a lot of people teaches that just going to be me and you and just a few that goes to heaven. And I'm going to tell you the scripture teaches that it'll be a number that no man can number. <laughs> oh, I tell you, with modern day computers and all the things we have, imagine what a big number that man could number now. But the scripture says no man can number. There will be a host in heaven that no man can number. There'll be as the sand of the sea and, uh, there, uh, just a numerous number that no man can number. That's what we know about it. <laughs> That's all we need to know about it, isn't it? Because God knows everything. The doctrine that we preach is not a hard doctrine. It's a wonderful doctrine. It's the truth. Of the matter is that God from the beginning knew the end. What did he say? <clears throat> uh, that, that God, uh, knew that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. <laughs> God knew the end. He finished the works. He provided all that was necessary for all of his children that'll ever live in heaven with him was provided and done and, and signed and sealed in the covenant of grace before the world began. Now, <clears throat> I got to quit. We turn over in the eighth, eighth verse of the fourth chapter of Hebrews. It says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. Now, in my center reference, that says that word Jesus there is put in for the word Joshua. Joshua led the children of Israel into Egypt and spoke to them of another day. I don't know. You know, I look at center reference and I know that's some man's idea. <laughs> that's what men have said this means. Sometimes I don't know what it means. I know Joshua's led them. His name signifies that. He was, he led the people, but I know that Jesus, uh, gives us rest too. So, and that's uh, my, what I want to concentrate on. And so he says, therefore, a rest, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, there's not a rest to the not people that are not the people of God. They'll never find that rest. They won't have rest. Uh, their lives are complete upheaval. <laughs> and the wages of sin is death. And 
eternal death even is the reason that any will not live in heaven with Christ is because of their own sins. Now, they weren't put away. For he that is entered into his rest, and remember this is not talking about eternal rest, but this is talking in this chapter, the emphasis is on this time and this life and the world in which we live. He that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. You know, when the, when God made the earth and put all that was to be upon it, set it in motion, made man after his own image, and on the seventh day he rested from his works. <clears throat> you know, Jesus, when he came, fulfilled all. What did he say? I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me, and this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which he has given me, I should lose nothing. Aren't you glad that's in there? That God knew from the beginning, all that he sent Jesus to save, Jesus said, I'll lose not one of them. No thing. <laughs> nothing. I'll not lose a one. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and I will in no wise cast him out. They'll all be born again. <laughs> all that God gave Christ will be born to the Spirit and will live in heaven with him. God knew the end from the beginning. And so he says, then, <clears throat> you know, when Jesus finished that work, and when he bowed his head upon the cross and cried out, it is finished, what a significant verse that is. What was finished? <laughs> When Jesus said, it is finished, what was finished? Wow. Redemption was finished. Amen. All that that he came to do, it was finished. Jesus didn't come to give you a chance to go to heaven. Amen. Jesus didn't come to give you a chance to accept him and become one of his. Jesus came to finish the work and he finished it. What God had told him to come and do, he finished that work. And so he rested. <laughs> Jesus went to the grave. Jesus arose from the grave. Aren't you thankful to know that? That's my hope is because Jesus raised, I'm going to raise one day and be with him. That's my only hope. My only, uh, what I believe that because Jesus rose, then I one day will live with him in heaven. And that means I'm going to rise and be conformed to his image. And so he said, let us labor. Here's, I think I quoted this to start with. I'll end with it. Let us labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. This is not that eternal rest. We don't labor for eternal rest. <laughs> That was done in Christ. We have no labor involved in our eternal life. That's all by grace. But here in this life, as we live in this life, there is a labor for us. And that is done by prayer, by, by being obedient, by partaking of the ordinances, by coming to the church, by worship, by all the things that are good that we consider and know that's good, that's the labor for a child of God to enter into this rest that's here in time, this liberty that we have. And then he says, 
let us labor to enter into that, lest any man fall after the same example that the Israelites did, didn't get to go to Canaan's land of unbelief. And then he gives us this. Now I'll read this and close. For the word of God. Now that word there, I believe, is the same word that we find in the first chapter of John's gospel. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. (laughs) This is that capital letter word, Jesus himself. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, Jesus knows your every thought. Jesus knows our every thought. He knows the number of the hair on our head. He knows it all. He has all knowledge. And neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened. And that word opened is E-D. It's opened. It's been opened up. It's, and so he says, we unto the eyes of him with whom we have today. God knows all about you. You're not going, you may, uh, you know, if you're here in a, a, a false professor, <laughs> you know, God knows that. You may fool us, but you won't fool God. <laughs> if you're here, uh, feeling to be uh, uh, unworthy of the blessings and the benefits of God's kingdom. You know, I think a lot of people don't join the church for that reason. They come and they love it. They they sit in the pew for years and they say, well, I'm just not good enough to be a part of that group. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, God knows your heart. And if your heart is right with God, then come on and join with his people and enjoy this rest. There is a rest for the people of God in this present world in which we live. He says, there is no creature that is not manifest in his sight. All things are opened unto him. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our our profession. Hold fast. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. <laughs> Believe it. God, I'm, I hope I'm like Brother Carly. If there's any other way other than the grace, don't tell me about it because I'm satisfied to go to the grave believing that I'll be saved by the grace of God. Amen. And this is my message to you today. Rest in the finished work of Christ. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Be disciples indeed. <laughs> Do those things that God has commanded us to do. And I'll tell you, there's joy in it that won't be exceeded anywhere in this world. You have to wait till you get to heaven to have anything better than the blessings of the kingdom and the church here in this world. Ah, thank you for your good attention. Hope the Lord will bless these thoughts to his glory.